Welcome to Healthcare is Human, a monthly podcast featuring authentic storytelling and healthcare with your hosts, Dr. Ryan McCarthy and Dr. Shruti Shrikamar. Hello, everyone. I'm Ryan McCarthy. And I'm Shruti Shrikamar. Welcome to Healthcare is Human, a podcast dedicated to authentic storytelling in healthcare. So, Shruti, Do you want to tell our listeners how you and I ended up sitting here? Sure. The pandemic impacted everyone in some way. I'm in my final year of medical school, and for me, COVID-19 made me realize how healthcare is an ecosystem with many crucial facets and people we rely on to keep us moving. These are hard workers who have served us every day during these tumultuous times, perspectives and faces the public hasn't seen or heard. Dr. McCarthy, do you want to give us a recap of these past six months? You know, looking back now, everything fell apart quickly. February 2020 was normal, and then boom, March came. I'm sure you remember where you were. Corona what? Schools were closed here on March 13th in West Virginia. We were in lockdown. Wow. Wait, what just happened to us? Exactly. March 17th was the last normal day as I knew it. The tension in the air was obvious. I walked through the hospital, and it felt like barely organized chaos. Everyone kept cool, but I could read their faces. People were scared. I was scared. I'm a primary care doctor in West Virginia, and March was my worst nightmare. My patients, many of whom are old and frail, I was worried they could possibly die from coronavirus. Overnight, my life changed. First big change? I told my patients, stay at home. Yep. March 18th, I was dismissed from my clinical rotations. Obviously, I don't have my own patients like you, Dr. McCarthy, but I was worried. What did this mean for the people around me? What about our vulnerable population? A week later, it was clear I was not going back to medical school anytime soon. I packed my belongings, said goodbye to my friends, and drove to my parents in Morgantown. I thought to myself, oh, I'll be back in two weeks. Minutes after I pulled up to my driveway, my dad told me that governor had issued a stay-at-home order. Talk about strange, stay at home. But I couldn't possibly stay at home. I had to go work in primary care. How long is this going to last? Are we going to be okay? I didn't have much good advice for my patients, so I tried to be positive. It was a few weeks into this weird coronavirus landscape. That's when I first heard the hero talk. Shruti, remember these? The ads on television, frontline workers. Ads on the radio, essential workers. Pop-up ads on the internet, healthcare heroes. Let's all stay at home so our healthcare workers can do their jobs. I'm sure you heard those. Yeah, while all my mentors worked during the shutdown, my academic year was stifled. I did as much as I could online. I tried to keep up with all the info. And yes, I upgraded my banana bread recipe. It's delicious, thank you very much. And yes, I confess, I did indulge in watching a certain zookeeper drama. Shruti, I'm going to jump in here and remind our podcast listeners, a tiger is not a pet. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. By mid-May, I returned to the hospital. I was not a frontline worker, but as I watched my mentors work tirelessly, I felt pride in my healthcare heroes. This would be me one day. But something dawned on me when I grabbed lunch from the cafeteria. I chatted with the workers like I usually do, the people feeding me, protecting me, and keeping the hospital together. How did I not think that they were just as important as the workers directly taking care of patients? Shruti, I couldn't agree more. When I walked into the hospital, I passed a maintenance worker. 
I talked to a security guard. I said hello to a janitor. I waved to the hospital operator. I said hello to a housekeeper. I depended on these folks every day. And during the pandemic, we all made the same decision to come work in healthcare. Yet these healthcares were not recognized or heard. I think we all missed something important. I know I did. The healthcare heroes we focused on didn't encompass the whole picture. Hardworking hospital employees came to work every day. They didn't take the Hippocratic Oath like I did. And I got to be home and be safe with my family for two and a half months. Who holds up the hospital? Healthcare and medicine is an ecosystem. Without one member, everything falls out of line. This story wasn't on the news. All of this is what brings us to the podcast you're listening to now. Healthcare is human. Here are the faces and voices of real humans who make up healthcare. Come along with us and meet the amazing humans of healthcare. Each person you hear will speak with their own distinct voice. We hope you will be surprised, humbled, amazed, and intrigued. These honest voices may give you insights you've never had before. So come along with Shruti and I now as we take you through the doors and behind the masks. The first person we will hear from is Deidre, who works in facilities at Berkeley Medical Center. She has been on the job every day during the pandemic. We started off by asking her, what keeps her going? You know, you just gotta keep on going. You know, um, the hospital gotta keep running, you know, cause you got patients that come in that have be sick, mm-hmm. you know, so they need their supplies. The um, nurses need their stuff to take care of you. So, you know, Right. but it is kind of hard though to see that a lot of people don't get up like I do and go to work, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have all these nurses and you have the doctors that care for these people you know, and they gotta make sure they take care of their self while they take care of the patients that come in with the COVID stuff and all. Right, so any like fears that you had back in March? Well, yeah, you know, you know, with us working, you know, we gotta be careful. Even though we don't really work right with the patients, but we do interact with some of the nurses that does work with the patients. You know, we interact with them. You know, I go in the NICU, I go to the baby wards, you know, and deliver their materials and stuff. And you just don't know who has what. Mm-hmm. And you got to be careful. You got to protect yourself because you're afraid that you might go home with something. Right. You know, you can take it to your loved ones and, or your grandkids or your kids. Yeah. So you do kind of worry about that. So what does your family think about, you know, are they worried for you all the time? Do they ask you a lot of questions since yeah. you are an essential worker at the hospital? My husband asked me, he said, do y'all have meetings? Do y'all talk about it? Um, do y'all have any COVID patients? It's, you know, stuff like that. So he does, he worries every day when I come to work. So going forward, is there anything that you've seen that's uplifted you? Some positive stuff that's come out of this? Um, you don't hear that you have maybe five COVID patients in here. You hear, you know, you got one. Um, But with all this going on like this, you know, even on the news, you hear that this person died or that person died, but you don't hear about the ones that made it through. You don't hear that. Yeah. So, you know, if you're gonna say, you know, we had five COVID people die, but it should have said, well, we had at least three that made it through. You don't hear who made it through. You always hear 
who passed away or who died. So. So, is there anything else you want the public to know, or like what people out there don't understand about working in the hospitals? Stuff that happens behind closed doors that you want people to know. I mean, you know, you have to. I mean, we all that work in the hospital, we be careful what we do. Um, a lot of people don't understand. You know, this virus is serious. It's very serious, and a lot of people have to take it serious. It's not a joke, and it's taking people out. Now, it's gotten a little better, but people are still dying from this. And with us in the hospital, we have to be careful. We have to still do our job. Even though we're working on it, um, walking on eggshells, we still have to be careful. You know, you wash your hands and wear your mask like you're supposed to, and, you know, just be protective. Use knowledge. Right. Knowledge is free, so use it. Deirdre is absolutely right about knowledge. It is free and we all should use it. There's plenty of great information on the CDC website, so be sure to check out www.cdc.gov. And here in West Virginia, the Department of Health and Human Resources is another excellent resource for up-to-the-day COVID tracking in your county. The next person we will hear from is Paul Blackman. We had a chance to catch up with Paul in the lobby of the hospital. He works in security at Berkeley Medical Center. We asked him what it has been like to be working on the front lines. Stressful, uh, it's a learning experience for sure. Did you feel safe coming into work? Yeah, I, I believe that we were taking the proper precautions. Uh, biggest fear is, of course, is when you work in this environment is taking what you take home. Um, you know, so I have a wife, a daughter, and a granddaughter that live at home with me. So, you know, extra precautions have to be taken to make sure I protect everybody at home as well. And what do you have, what is a typical evening for you when you go home with the precautions and everything? Uh, at the height of it, um, when I get home, I'd go in the garage or go downstairs in the basement, take off all my clothes, change into something else, mm -hmm. then go upstairs and immediately jump in the shower before I, before I kiss my wife or hold the baby or do anything. There's a whole lot of scrubbing going on. Okay. So we were just talking about the other uh, yesterday. Um, it's kind of forced everybody to be more family oriented because you're, you you can't go and just jump in the car and run like you used to. So in in your house, what what does that meant? Does that mean? I think back at the beginning, you know, I think of March as the time when everybody was on the couch, uh, just watching television. And but yeah. now that we're five months in, what what are those family centered habits? How do they look here in the summer? Well, we, uh, we, again, we spent a lot of time together. We got a we went got a fire pit delivered okay, to the house so we pit. could sit at home, you know, mm -hmm. do a fire at night. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I still cook on the grill, but it's just for the immediate family. Uh, okay. you know, and and we just spend a lot of time together. So a lot of times, people when they spend a lot of time together, they start getting a little frustrated with each of other. Of course, things happen. Absolutely. And you have to learn to get around that. So it's taught you, you know, how to to be around each other. Any uh, any pandemic habit or something that you had at your house where hey, I did this project, or I was forced to clean out the garage, or, hey, I went and picked back up with something that I hadn't done for a long time. I, Anything I've, like that that happened? I've cleaned the garage. <laughs> I've I, I painted the shutters. Uh, the honey-do list goes on and on, and, it, and you actually get it done. There's no excuse why you can't, because you can't go anywhere else. So right. uh, trying to get into Lowe's was an experience. Uh, the lines, everybody has a honey-do list now, apparently, so the lines are really long when you're trying to get, you know, home repairs done. Mm -hmm. But our house is a lot better off for it, so 
rooms have been painted, right. you know. So anything you feel like you learned from the pandemic or working throughout the pandemic? You, you, you kind of learn how different people look at the same uh, obstacle. Mm-hmm. Um, how people, Can you describe that some more? What do you mean well, by that? How people actually respond to this, you know, the, the wearing of the face mask, um, sanitizing, wiping things down. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've always been in the habit of is wiping, like when I go to a grocery store, you wipe down the handles on the, on mm-hmm. the, on the cart. Sure. Because a lot of people don't realize when you work in a hospital, you learn, you understand more <laughs> that sure. you're around people that don't even realize they're sick all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so true. it's important to kind of get in that habit to start off with. So, you know, in that aspect, uh, I've always been cleaning the handles on the, on the grocery cart. But now it's once I get done, sanitized, do I need to wear gloves? You know, when you go to the grocery store and you see them and they put the plastic over the, the credit card reader, mm-hmm. well, what's the purpose unless you're going to change that plastic every single time? <laughs> you know? right. Working here, you realize you that. You know that, yes. If you don't work here, you, you think, oh, they're taking precautions. But in my, my mind, it's like you have to change that plastic every single time or else you're still just spreading the same germ. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, again, there's some people that just don't want to wear a mask. They believe that they're invincible or that politics and you know get involved sure, and everything sure. else so for me this is a precaution that I, I i've seen the bad side of this this virus and i don't want to be on that side of it so i'm wearing a mask yeah you know you don't have to if you don't want to but i'm going to wear one uh, is there anything that you would want to tell people outside of healthcare? you've been an insider you've been a central worker throughout at the core of the hospital if there's one thing you could tell people out there about this experience or that they should know, what would it be? I would say take advantage of your time together mm-hmm. um, because I've seen, you know, the people that come in here, especially at the height of no visitors, mm-hmm. that have to be alone. Right. Yeah. Um, wow. And you don't want those last moments, if they're completely alone, to be thinking about something that you said wrong, you know, prior to. Right, okay. Um, you know, I, I've had, uh, there's been COVID in our family. So, you know, I understand how that affects people. Um, you know, fortunately, the the worst didn't happen. Okay. You know, they just it was just quarantine, but uh, it also affected some of the kids. You know, okay. so not being able to see that person and those kids for so so, a month. Se- so several family members were sick. Uh, one for sure. One for sure. Okay. And the other two are, like I said, just young kids, okay. asymptomatic. They haven't shown any signs or symptoms. So. Okay. Um, but you know that is, so it's affected me personally, mm-hmm. sure. and it scares you. You know, it scares you because again, being here, I've seen the worst of what can happen, and then the least of what can happen. So, I, I everybody should just take advantage of the, the precious time that we have because it, it's gone in, in an instant, and there's nothing you can do to take it back. Paul makes a great point about cherishing every moment we have together. Shruti, how have your family routines been changed in the last six months? I have been very grateful that both of my parents have been able to work from home. My brother was home as well. So when I ended up back home, family dinners became regular again. You know, that's great. And I had the same at my house. I saw more of my teenagers in those early months of the pandemic than I had in the previous year. During our visit to the Berkeley Medical Center in Martinsburg, West Virginia, we took a trip up to the sixth floor where we spoke to Kristen, a registered nurse on the oncology unit. We began by asking what impact COVID has had on the oncology service. 
Um, it, honestly, it really hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, the thing that I've noticed that has made a huge impact on our patients is the lack of visitors. Um, our oncology patients rely heavily on their support system, uh, family members, friends, um, and a lot of times we have a lot of people here who need that support because they've just recently gotten a really uh, horrendous life-altering diagnosis and they have literally nobody to lean on and it's really difficult for them. It's made it more difficult for us too because we can't be that person that we try to be that person. Uh, do you feel like it's mission impossible in the sense that uh, as a nurse, you feel compelled to, to meet as many of their needs as they as you can, but clearly that's usually a family member, friend, a loved oh, one, a yeah. spouse. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't be their husband. I can't be their wife. I can't mm. be their son or daughter, but I mean, I, I, I guess I would really try, but you know, it's I'm not that person. Has it taken a bigger toll on you just coming in here and then just trying to do this during the pandemic? And if so, how has it affected you? Um, it is draining. <laughs> Some days I just drive home from work with my car silent <laughs> um sometimes i cry but it's uh, okay um i, I try gonna... not to let it affect my personal life too much and it's hard to be that distant from it and sometimes you do carry things with you what's been one of the hardest things you've had to deal with um i had a patient that um really was very difficult for me to deal with um advocating for him for what he needed at the time, um, he didn't have a lot of family members. They were from far away. Um, I worked four days in a row just so I could be that person for that patient. And that is physically and emotionally draining for wow, me. Yeah. Um, but finally we got him to be where he needed to be, um, be comfortable and you know, move to wherever he needed to be moved to. So that, that fourth day in a row, and for people that are not in healthcare, uh, how long are each of your days? Um, they're scheduled 12 and a half hours, but sometimes they're 13, 14 okay. hours. So there you are. You say you voluntarily did four in a row for mm -hmm. a patient. That fourth day, what's it feel like? Um, so after the third day, you're like, all right, this is just what it is. You just keep going, keep going. But that fourth day, I cried in the morning. Um, I cried in his room. Um, because I saw how, oh, sorry, I saw how he was suffering, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I didn't want anybody to suffer like that alone. So I held his hand and I called the doc and was like, "We really need to do something for him. We need to get him to where he can be comfortable." Um, and the physician that was on was really great along with the oncologist that was really great and we got him to a spot where he could be comfortable and relax and where I wasn't scared for him that he was terrified too. Well that sounds like an especially difficult experience. It was. It was that was back in March. Oh so. the early days, the dark yeah, days. Yeah, so I obviously have carried it with me. <laughs> Try not to, but And what are some of the positive things that you've seen come out of the pandemic? Something that's been uplifting for you? Um, just love the appreciation from the patients and they, they understand. It's, it's really difficult for them, but they understand and they're accepting of the fact that, you know, oh, I know it's really hard on you guys and I know I, I want my family members here, but I understand and, and they just seem to be very appreciative of everything we do and try to do for them. Is there anything um, from your experience as an oncology nurse during the pandemic that okay. you think the public doesn't understand? about being a healthcare worker? It's really hard. 
really, really hard. Some days are worse than the others. Some days is it hard? Is it hardest leaving the building, or is it hardest coming in the building? Both. Depends on the day. Depends on what you know you're coming into, and it depends on what you're leaving. I think that statement is true of all days in healthcare, but certainly heightened by the challenges that we face today. Now for this next segment, we stayed on the sixth floor and we had a chance to meet Greg, a registered nurse on the telemetry unit. What kind of day are you having today? It's a good day. Uh, we had a real busy morning shuffling patients around here and there. Um, and little lull, got to eat lunch around two and now we're back at it for the rest of the day. Uh, at this point in the pandemic, do you feel tired? Do you feel worn down? Do you feel hopeful? What's, <clears throat> if you were to describe your mood coming to work daily now at this point, what would it be? Um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. A couple of weeks after this first started, I saw a friend of mine at the gas station. He's a painter, and he was worried about getting work again. Of course, he's gotten it. Oh, this will be over in a couple of weeks, Greg. I just know it will. It'll be fine. I'll start working again. In my head, I knew from the very beginning a couple of weeks was a joke, but they were advertising it that way on the news. So this many months later, I feel like I was fortunate in the beginning to have not skipped a beat. Still came to work three to four days a week, working 12-hour shifts. Nothing's different. Can still pay my bills. A um, little scary at first with all the, the COVID units, the uh, revision of testing. Now we have the fast tests so we can find out pretty quickly where we can put patients and not have to keep them for three days waiting on a test to come back, hoping that they don't have COVID. So um, I think for me, it really hasn't been very stressful use the proper precautions, kind of used to being in an environment where there's contagious disease. So um, as it's played out, what do they say, 25 to 50% of people don't show symptoms. That's great, um, meaning you can have it. And 25 to 50% of the time, you're not going to feel bad. On the flip side, you could be giving that to people that could feel bad. Sure. So. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 strange to have learned about pandemics and now to actually be living through one. The world's never going to be the same, but we're all going to be okay. Any fears in the beginning you had working here and then going home? Oh, absolutely. I have um, an immunocompromised fiance at home, mm -hmm. and so therefore they did not designate me as one of the people to work in the COVID unit that we ran back on the oncology unit back here on six. Um, so I was kept away from it initially, but since then all of us have been exposed directly to COVID patients uh, before knowing that they were. So luckily we're always protected um, whether the patients have it or not. Uh, so like you mentioned you have someone immunocompromised at home. How has life changed for you at home well, and in life? I think that's the same for everyone. Um, she knows that there's no avoiding the fact that I work here and there's nothing we can do about that. Mm -hmm. um, I go see my family once a week. Don't think that my 75-year-old father isn't immunocompromised either. So um, we did get tested once. She thought she had symptoms. We just did a Walgreens drive through while we were out and about one day and we were both negative. That was actually reassuring. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just a chance you take. You just be as careful as you can. Um, obviously not going to just do everything I can to go out and about and socialize with everyone, but when it comes to the people that are important in my life, it's a chance that I think that if, as long as you limit it and you're careful, um, that it should be taken. We need interaction. We need our families. I'm not going to isolate for three years until this blows over and 
just talk to my dad on the phone who lives three miles down the road. Mm-hmm. And how has the whole pandemic changed your perspective on the world and like the people around? <laughs> That's a huge question. <laughs> um, it's really sad. It's really frustrating. Um, it makes me appreciate the fact that we do have technology and ways of communicating without because even when I was a little kid, you know, those things weren't... Um, you know, Atari was being created. They didn't have cell phones until 2002, I think, is when everyone pretty much picked them up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it creates an awareness um, differently for everyone, the people that just don't think, you know, anything of it. And some of it is government. Some of it isn't government. Nobody knows what to believe. Mm-hmm. So sure. you formulate your own opinions. Sure, and while parts of this you may have really felt sad and disappointed in, in other people and maybe their behavior, is there anything from this experience where you have really felt uplifted by what people have done that you've worked with or a part of this where it has really made you feel like, you know, validated what you do daily, where you felt a, a really uplifting or high moment? The answer is absolutely. Because even from day one... Um, when we were changing rules every day, trying to make sure that we were accommodating appropriately. Um, not one person that I work with skipped to beat. We all did what we're supposed to do. Um, physicians all the way down to housekeeping. Yeah. So every day I felt good about what I did for a living. And what do you think that says about healthcare? Oh, I think we're resilient. The people that are meant to be here are going to always be here. The people that were born to help people are always going to help people, whether they do it in healthcare or elsewhere. Greg is absolutely right. It's been a privilege to serve in healthcare, and while the last six months have been very difficult, in many ways it has been an honor to serve our community. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening. Healthcare's Human podcast is produced by Talking and Listening to Human Beings was inspired by the amazing hardworking staff at the Berkeley Medical Center. It's dedicated to everyone serving today in healthcare. Healthcare as Human was created by Ryan McCarthy. Shruti Shrikumar and I write and host this program together. Our audio engineer is Kim Mattioli. Thanks, Kim. Some of our interviews are produced for our local radio station, WEPM, by Marsha Chawalik of the Panhandle News Network. You rock, Marsha. This podcast is not all we do. We also have a visual project of photographs featuring many of the humans you heard from today. These beautiful and intimate photos were taken by Molly Humphreys from Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Hey, that's me. You can find Molly's world-class portfolio by searching for Piccadilly Posh. You can find us on social media, too. Today's original music is by Isaac, the one-man band. Before we sign off, a big shout-out to our mountain mama, West Virginia University. Mountaineers go first. Be sure to catch our next episode, Back to School. We talk about returning to school during the pandemic, our hopes, our fears, what we missed the most about school, and what we hope happens this fall. Truthy, what was your favorite back to school purchase? Mine was definitely new sneakers. For me, it's new stationery. Molly, how about you? Hmm, I gotta say I like those scented markers. Until next time, here's the thought to take with you whenever you go to a hospital, urgent care, a clinic, the most important thing to remember is that more than anything else, healthcare Healthcare is is human. You've been listening to Healthcare is Human. Join us next month for another episode of Authentic Storytelling and Healthcare with Dr. Ryan McCarthy and Dr. Shruti Shrikumar.